You have a secret this morning. And you know what? I know your secret. Do you know how I know your secret? Because week after week, I sit where you're sitting. And I know that later this afternoon, you won't remember every single word you hear this morning. It's probably in there somewhere, right? Those words go in our brain. I think they usually stick in there, but they're a little hard to pull back out sometimes. However, we are highly impacted oftentimes by just a single phrase or maybe just a single thought. You know, of everything that gets spoken on a Sunday morning, something pierces us. And I have great hope that all that's said every morning does influence us and work itself in there. I'm really excited about this series about the church that we're doing this summer because many years ago I was pierced by a single phrase. See, I was a, I was a young man once and I was wise. I had a lot of things figured out. Uh, I had theology pretty well figured out, systematic theology. God fit quite neatly inside of my box. I understood a lot of things about the church and about how it should be organized and what people should do and what people should believe. I was actually, I don't know if you know this or not, I was actually one of the greatest parents in the world. And I didn't even have kids yet. Right? I was wise. I was wise. And I saw a lot of things in the church that I didn't like. A lot of things in the church that didn't seem right to me. Uh, even, I'll admit, I was going here. I was going here. And uh, I saw sinners in the church. I saw people doing things in a way that I, I wouldn't have done, I didn't think was right. I started to get down on the church. I started to question whether the church was important. Whether, like, like we've been saying here, is the church relevant? Is the church the way to go? It's just, it just seems to be full of sinners and people that, that don't think the way I think. And then I was listening to a cassette tape. Yeah. Cassette tape of John MacArthur. I cannot remember what the topic of that tape was. I honestly don't remember the topic of the tape. I don't remember the exact quote. But John MacArthur said something like this. He said, Jesus loves his bride. And who are you to give up on her? And that so pierced me. You know, you can talk about me. You can talk about the Reds. You can talk about other things, whatever. You talk about my wife and them's fighting words, right? And here I am, the person I, I, I profess to be following and to love, and I'm bad-mouthing his bride, the church. And that was one of those moments that, that so changed my thinking in my life. And now I love the church. I love the church because it's the bride of Jesus. I love the church, sinners and all, right? I add to that sinfulness in the church, right? You know, things that we struggle with. I know things you're probably sitting here today thinking, ah, I wish this or that were different. Maybe that was my, even my decision. Maybe I even caused that. I get that. We are sinners together in a body. It will not be perfect, but it is the bride of Jesus. And so I'm so excited about the the summer sermon series about the church. Because for me, the church has become so important. 
and particularly the local church, and particularly for me, this church. I love this church. I love us. This morning, our topic is the church and its ultimate mission. The church and its ultimate mission. By the way, I am going to fly this morning. We've already done communion and things, so I don't have a whole lot of time. If you finish this morning and you say, I think Todd was way off base, great. I love you to be a Berean. You should not just accept things because I say them. We ought to accept things because we've looked in God's word and that's what it says. This book, which is in the Resource Center, What is the Mission of the Church? by Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert is an excellent, excellent, detailed and fair explanation of a lot of things that I'm going to move through kind of quick this morning. Okay, I would highly recommend this to you, especially if you wrestle with what's, what's the church all about and what should it be doing. I appreciated a few weeks ago, Steve Hamm, when he was talking about the church and science, said, you know what, if we get a few good definitions in place, a lot of the confusion melts away. And I believe that's the case here as well as we talk about the mission of the church. I want us to get a few definitions in place. Now, these are not going to be kind of classic dictionary definitions, you know, super long and they cover every possible aspect. I like simple things because I think simple things stick. So these are going to be kind of simple definitions that help us so that we're all talking about the same thing this morning. Okay? First of all, first definition, the church. What is the church? Actually, a lot of different thoughts about the church. Please do not think of the church as this building. Okay? Do not think of the church as this building or this location. Don't think of the church as our constitution and bylaws. Don't think of the church as our 501c3 status with the IRS. Okay? If this building burns down... If we lose our constitution and bylaws, if the IRS revokes our 501c3, Grace Fellowship doesn't cease to exist, right? The church is still here. Don't just think of the church as Pastor Brad or the people who are up front preaching. Don't just think of the church as the leaders or the people that work here throughout the week. They're part of the church. We're part of the church. But the church is us. Remember this little little dealie? Mm, steeple, doors, church, something, people. <laughs> right? the, church, the church is the people. The church is us. Those other things are tools that the church uses to operate. But the church is us. The church is you and the church is me as a body. It's us as a body. All the individual parts, right? The scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and other places, talks about all the individual parts of the body. Working together, coming together, just as God has placed them. The church is us. So don't think of the church as something outside of you. If this is what, where you call home, if you call Grace Fellowship your church, don't think of the church as something outside of you. Think of the church as something that you are part of, a body that you are part of. All right? Each body part has some function. I don't know, maybe an appendix. I don't know, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just goes bad and spoils the rest of the body, but... Body parts have a function as part of the whole. Okay, so the church is us. We talk about mission, the word mission. 
wow, we've complicated that word in the church. You know, we're on mission. We're missional. We, we, we just make up words, don't we? We're missional. We got the Great Commission. We got mission. We got missions. We got a lot of things around that word mission. And uh, we've actually made it kind of complicated. You know, when you, when you pour something out on the ground and it spreads out real wide and real thin and, that, and it's real shallow, that word has begun to lose its meaning in the church. But you know, in the world, we understand the word mission, right? If a, if a military group is given a mission, we know what that means. That means they're given an objective. They're given something to go and do. You know, companies have mission statements. That's popular. You know, the last couple decades, McDonald's, whatever, you got the mission statement up on the wall. What's the mission statement? It's the particular thing that we're focusing on to do. So what is the mission when when we're talking about church? What is mission? Well, I propose to you it's the thing that we are sent into the world to do. The unique thing that we are sent into the world to do. Now, there are lots of things we can do. There's lots of things we will do. But I believe that God has given the church a mission. We cannot lose sight of that thing that we are to do. You know, if a, a, whatever, a SEAL team or something is on a mission and they accomplish all kinds of other good things, but not the thing they were sent to do, we wouldn't call that a success, right? They did good things, but we're to do the thing, the mission that God has sent us to do. You know, there's lots of different missions in the Bible. I don't propose that there's just one mission in the Bible. Joshua was given a mission. You remember when, uh, you know, delivered out of Egypt, they're wandering around the, the wilderness for 40 years. Then they're, they're standing right on the edge of the promised land. Let me just read a little bit and see if you can pick out what Joshua's mission was from Joshua chapter 1. God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the sons of Israel. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua was given a mission. He did lots of other stuff along the way. But Joshua was told by God, go in, take the people, and possess the land. And that was his mission. Then we follow through the rest of the book of Joshua. And what are they doing? They're doing exactly that. They're going in and possessing the land. So we understand this word mission. I think we just, we use it in complicated ways sometimes. Another word we need to understand. Disciple. Disciple. What's a disciple? Okay, that's, that's not a word maybe in, in our current language we use so much. But a disciple is just... One who follows and obeys and learns from their teacher. Right? You think of a disciple and a, and a teacher or a master. A disciple is someone who follows along that person, learns what, what they're teaching, learns what they do, begins to act more and more like them. So a disciple of Jesus is simply a person who believes, follows, and is growing to be more and more like Jesus. Okay? doesn't need to be complicated. A disciple. I like the word disciple. So does the Bible. Um, a lot of times we use the word, you know, I'm a Christian. It's a fine word. Unfortunately, we've, we've, become to use, we've come to use that word kind of loosely these days as well. But a disciple implies, like, I'm actually following Jesus. I'm actually 
obeying Jesus. I'm actually growing to be more like Jesus. A couple aspects of a disciple. One is making disciples. What does it mean to make disciples? Wow. It's, it's simply introducing people to Jesus. So when I say making disciples, don't just think maybe what we've classically called discipleship. When, I don't know about you. I, I grew up in the church. When I think of discipleship, I think of, yes, and we also have a class on discipleship during the third hour. You know, it's, it's like some little side thing where we teach people how to, how to act like a Christian or something. Making disciples. Introducing people to Jesus who do not know him. Calling on them to be reconciled to God, to repent and believe in Jesus. Teaching people all that Jesus has commanded. Walking with them, modeling with them, going through the ups and downs with them of life. And how would, how would Jesus work through this? How would Jesus have you work through this? So making disciples is just introducing people to Jesus and helping them grow. Through teaching and modeling and encouragement. And then there's also being a disciple. Okay? Not just making disciples. And you're probably getting where I'm going with the mission of the church here. With the words I'm giving you as definitions. But being a disciple. Living. So I'm making disciples, but I'm also a disciple myself. i got to live as a disciple. So I'm going to live like Jesus lived. I'm going to live with compassion. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to love my neighbors myself. I'm going to be a good Samaritan. I'm going to be a good steward. All those things that, that Jesus did and encouraged us to do, that's, that's living and being a disciple. Okay, enough definitions. What is the mission of the church, the ultimate mission of the church? Grab your Bibles. We're going to turn there. And you're about to say, Todd, every time you're up there, we turn the same place. Yeah. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. You probably saw it coming. However, and I also want to talk a little bit about why these verses are so significant. We often call this the Great Commission. Matthew 28. And it is great, and it is a commission. So I want to read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And then talk about why I think this is so significant and why I think this defines the mission of the church. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I believe that the ultimate mission of the church, given by Christ, our head, is to go and make disciples. To go and make disciples. And we're to go and make disciples of Jesus. Okay, first of all, we're not to just go make it. We don't want to go make people who behave right. We don't want to go make people who are moral. We want to introduce them to Jesus, and we want to help them to follow Jesus, the God-man. We want to go and make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is not just a task for us to just try to work up enough strategy and enough effort and enough clever things to change hearts. No, we go in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're to go and make disciples here and there. 
All right, I'm the missions guy, right? I'm the director of missions. However, I would wholeheartedly say to you, I believe that most of you ought to be making disciples right where you are. Most of you ought to be making disciples within your natural networks, right? People at work, within your family, people in your community, people in this church. However, God calls out a few people to go and make disciples in unnatural places, places we would not normally get. But like the Apostle Paul, we're sent out to make disciples in other places as well. Why is this passage so important? Why is this passage so important? We've got to look at the historical context of this passage and where we are right now. If you have not read the Bible front to back, cover to cover, I've I, I got to highly recommend that to you. Because we have such a tendency to just grab passages and verses and pull them out without understanding both their context in Scripture, but also just their historical context. Let's see where we are in history, all right? This is going to be pretty quick, pretty quick history lesson. <clears throat> Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. Wow, God creates the heavens and the earth. Six days, on the sixth day, he makes man and woman. It's all good. By chapter 3, Adam and Eve are deceived. They rebel. They choose sin over God. And everything is different. Man and women and all of mankind and all of creation is now stained by sin. Right away, God pronounces a curse and God also makes a promise. We see through the book of Genesis and through the Old Testament, just, you know, people beginning to, to propagate and spread throughout the earth, sinning over and over. There's sin everywhere. We continue to see promises from God, you know, promise to Abraham and to Isaac, and to Jacob. He continues to make promises. And uh, we continue to sin. We continue to spread out. God calls out a particular people for himself, the Israelites, and goes through them. And as we talked about, you know, Joshua. So after generation after generation of sin and promises and things being worked out in the providence of God, okay, there's Joshua standing on the, the shore of the Jordan River, the edge of the Jordan River looking at the promised land, it was not surprising that God told him, gave him a mission to go in and possess the land. That's what we expected, right? He'd promised them the land. He'd been working all these things for generation. Now they're standing on the, the edge of the land. We expect God to say, go in and possess the land. For us, you know, thousands of years of sin, of prophecy, of promises of a Messiah... Then at the right time, Jesus comes, born of a virgin. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. He grows up, lives a perfect life. This is, this is the God-man. And then in an event that is the hinge of all history. Of all history, hinges on the cross. That Jesus, the perfect Son of God, died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world that we might have the righteousness of God. He rises again. He's about to go back into heaven. He gathers around his, his few disciples. And it's not surprising, actually, what he commands them to do. You know, 
All through history, it's been sin, 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 and promise, promise, promise. And now, because Jesus has died and rose again, we actually have good news. We have the gospel. We have the gift. You can be right with God. You can have your sins forgiven by repenting and believing in Jesus. But you know what? You know who knows that? Just that little group right around Jesus right there. So it is not surprising that at that moment in history, Jesus says, now go tell the whole world. Now go tell the whole world and make disciples. Tell them about me and teach them all that I've told you and teach them to follow me. It's not surprising that Jesus gave his church, and those, were the, those were the apostles, those were the founders of the church then, that that's the mission he gave them. And where do we live? We live between then, there, and the end. And that mission continues as we make disciples right where we are and as we go to the uttermost parts of the earth to make disciples. And that mission will continue until God says it's done. And he says it's done when Jesus returns. That's where we are. That is the mission. There are many other good things to do. Don't, 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 don't hear me wrong this morning. Don't, don't hear me say, oh, we shouldn't be compassionate to people. We shouldn't love our neighbor. Of course we should. That's what living as a disciple is. But as a body, we have a particular mission that Jesus has given us, and that is to go and make disciples. I actually want to spend the rest of the time talking about what in the world does that look like? Okay, we believe you, Todd. We believe that Jesus has called us to make disciples. What does that look like? What does that look like as a church? What does that look like as individuals in the church? As a church, I think that would look like this. I think it would look like an inordinate amount of time and effort and money and prayer focused on making disciples. I think it would look like disciple-making preaching. There's all kinds of different preaching styles. Um, it's, it's not necessarily entertaining preaching. It's also not necessarily just hardcore intellectual Bible study preaching. Disciple-making preaching is preaching that takes the Word of God, puts it in front of us, and, and convicts us with it, corrects us with it, challenges us and teaches us how to live that out day by day. Okay? I like to say Sunday is just halftime. Sunday is just halftime. The game is played the rest of the week. Sunday is where we get some encouragement, we get some new instructions maybe from the coach. We go back out. The game is played during the week. Disciple-making preaching focuses on that. I think a disciple-making church would have opportunities for smaller groups of people to get together. Pretty hard to make disciples of one another in a big group like this. However, if we can spend time together in a smaller group, okay, here we call them small groups. You can call them whatever you want, where you actually get to know the other people. You know their struggles. You know their family. You know what they're doing well in right now. You know what they're struggling in. They know you. You can pray. You can speak. You can spend that time together. I believe that's what a disciple-making church looks like. I think a disciple-making church, in all of its ministries, has an eye on disciple-making. Whether it's nursery, children's, youth ministries, whatever. All those things are not just an end in themselves, but they're disciple-making. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. I think a disciple-making church is a group 
that knows that when people are struggling with a particular sin and struggling to get out of it or, or, or a broken relationship that they need some help on, that we can intensively disciple someone. We can sit down with them and, and look through the word with them and encourage them uh, back to the gospel and back to all the things that, that God has called them. Here we call that biblical counseling. Another good word for that is just intensive discipleship. Okay, that's what biblical counseling is. It's just helping that person, uh, their thinking and, and, and their actions in their life to be more consistent with Christ again. I think a disciple-making church gives people time and encourages them to get to know their lost neighbors and their lost co-workers and encourages them to be disciple-makers when they go out into their neighborhood, in their workplace, and in their homes. I'm, I'm reminded a lot of one of our great disciple-making opportunities is in our own homes, isn't it? I think a disciple-making church will have a strong emphasis on missions, on going to the ends of the earth to make disciples. And I think a a disciple-making church will put a strong emphasis on people being disciples. That everyone that is part of that body, we don't just talk about being Christians, but we are disciples. We are compassionate. We are relieving suffering. We are being uh, kind and loving to our neighbor. That's what a disciple-making church looks like. So what does that mean for each of us? Okay, if, remember the church is us. So let's not talk about the church outside of us. The church is each of us as a body. So what does it mean for each individual part? I think each of us should have... So if you're a first-time visitor, you can... You can choose to listen the next few minutes or not. If this is your home, if this body is the body you call your church, I think each of us needs to have some intentional, committed, faithful participation in this ministry, in this mission of making disciples. And I I, I use those words carefully, intentional. You know, sometimes, sometimes we just sort of happen into things. Choose something. Pray and choose something. Be committed to it. Boy, we're in, a, we're in an age that doesn't like commitment. And faithful participation in this mission. There are people, there are people here um, who've served in a particular ministry, you know, just for a decade or more now. Wow, to see people's faithfulness is such an encouragement. You know, there's some ministries that are up front. There's some ministries that are behind the scenes. Some are kind of direct disciple-making. Some are support. Some, uh, like, like prayer, you know, fervent prayer. Nobody else may even see. But amen, that is a disciple-making ministry as well. You know, it's said, and I don't even know if this is true, it's said we only use 10% of our brains. Ah, some brain doctor in the house confirmed if that's true or not. We only use 10% of our brains. You know, every now and then they make a movie or a book or something about somebody who uses all of their brain. And right, that person is like superhuman because now they're using 80 or 90% of their brain. What would it look like? What would it look like for a body, a church, to be using nearly 100% of their Holy Spirit-filled, redeemed, godly people 
on the mission of making disciples. It would look supernatural. It would be supernatural. It would be awesome. For the sake of time, let me just read it instead of turning there. But Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together, by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. He's saying each individual part, if it is doing its job, the body is growing up. The body grows. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of ways to make disciples. I, I, I actually don't like very, mm, these are the five steps to making a disciple. There are lots of ways to make disciples. And there are ways to make disciples that are not official ministries of this church. However, there are some ready-made, ready-made opportunities for people to step into and participate in this mission, in this body. I want to run through some of those quickly. There's children's ministry. Children's ministry. Uh, my wife and I and some others we serve, we're second hour every other week in the five-year-old class. Now, my wife is the teacher of that class, okay? And I am a classroom helper. <laughs> classroom helper. I think that's even what my name tag says. What does it look like in that class? So as my wife is, is, is teaching them a Bible lesson, and she's preparing that, and she's trying to think of a, a fun, whimsical way to get those truths across, she's teaching a Bible lesson, or you know, we're in Kid Jam singing great scripture songs. My role is to find the one. I find the one five-year-old who needs a little extra help this week. Maybe they're, maybe they're missing mom and dad and they're crying. And I'm just, I'm sitting on the floor next to them. Maybe they have a little extra energy and they need someone to help them find their self-control. I sit next to that one as well. That one's usually a boy, the first one's usually a girl. <laughs> and so as we're working in there, we're in the context of this Bible teaching that's coming, we're helping the kids to think, to trust God, to love Jesus, to forgive the neighbor, friend who just stole the toy from them, to give preference to one another, to be patient. We're teaching all the things about being a disciple, you know, actively with them for an hour each week. I tell you what, children's ministry is an awesome disciple-making opportunity. Likewise, the youth ministry, the junior high and, and high school youth ministry, very much focused on making disciples. I appreciate, I have two boys in, in that age now. I, I so much appreciate that John did it uh, many years ago and it's continued through Peter and with Ryan and Aaron now of people coming around, not just, not just teaching, not just doing activities, but making disciples in that ministry. A bazillion things have to happen on a Sunday morning for these other ministries. You know, there's lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. We have what we call Sunday serve teams. There's traffic, Newport. There's setup and teardown. Uh, there's, there's worship teams. There's making coffee. There's security. All those things that are indirect, but they are helping the mission of making disciples. Many other things. All right, I'm going to move now. From preaching to meddling. Okay, you know what that means. That means we're going to start poking. 
going to start poking a little bit. You have a homework assignment. Oh, I would encourage you to do this. It is simple yet hard. I would like each person today, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it myself. Write down on a piece of paper, because when we write things down, things become more clear. I am intentionally engaged in the ultimate mission of making disciples by enlist the way or ways that you are intentionally engaged in making disciples. Better yet, ask someone else to fill it out for you. Ask someone who knows you and loves you to fill it out for you. Because we don't grow in, in fuzzy land, right? We don't grow in fuzzy land. And uh, it's pretty easy sometimes to say, yeah, yeah, I'm part of the church, I'm part of the mission. But if we can't write down on a piece of paper how we're part of the mission, well, God gives grace to the humble. Let it humble us. Pray. Find a way to be part of the mission and participate in it. I'm not talking about earning our salvation. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about being part of the glorious mission that God has given to the church. Remember Joshua, he was given that mission. And that mission was sure because God had promised he was going to give the land to the Israelites. That mission was sure. However, Joshua still had to obey. Joshua still had to go in and fight and possess the land. In the same way, we have the promises that God is going to draw people to himself. God is going to fill heaven with people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation who are followers of Jesus. But we have to go out and do the work. We have to be about making disciples. I often hear the excuse of, of time. I use it as well. I don't have enough time. I know, I know personally I probably waste more time in a week than I do using to make disciples. And there are so few things in this world, in this life, that are eternal. And just think of how much time we spend in a given week on good things. They're fine things. I do as well. But in a year, we might not even remember them. In 50 years, let alone 10,000 years. So let's make sure we make time. We save time for those things that are eternal, like making disciples. So in the midst of many good things that we can do, and many good things that we will do along the way, Let's not, forgive, let's not forget the ultimate mission that God has given to the church to make disciples. By God's grace, I pray that uh, each of us may be active, active participants in this sure, ultimate mission that God has given to his church. Let me pray. Oh God, we confess that uh, we are often distracted by so many other things in this world that uh, good things even. But God, we want to be about what you're about. We don't want to let those distractions press out the time uh, and the energy and the passion that we need to be making disciples as you've called us to. God, may this body, Grace Fellowship Church, that I love, that you love, Christ is the head of, 
May we be a body that is accomplishing your great mission and purpose that you've given to us. God, I pray that you would give each of us grace every day to see you, to love you, to live as a disciple in this world, compassion and mercy and love, and to be active at what you've called us to. God, you are great, you are merciful. May your spirit go with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.